0: Hey everybody, welcome to On the Circuit. We're live at Fearless Investing Summit 2023, and I am excited to introduce my next guest. Doug Fritz, co-founder and CEO of F2 Strategy.
1: Thanks for having me. Hey man, I'm
0: excited to talk with you. Yeah, uh, we have not done this before. No, it's first you're first-time guest, which is which is always exciting. That's right, long-time
1: fun. listener, first first-time guest, first-time caller. Is that what? yeah?
0: Yeah, I love it. First time sitting down at the uh, on the circuit booth, but hey, so a lot of things have been happening at F2. You know, over over like maybe the, the last year. I'm not sure it's at this year. point how long it's it, been. Like yeah, the,
1: yeah the, the iceberg under the water. That stuff started like in March of 2022. Like we just get to all see the, the iceberg stuff on top of the waters. That's the kind of what happened starting in June. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I want to start with just how you guys are growing and how you have decided to approach your growth strategy and vision a little bit differently than the typical consulting firm. You know, a typical consulting firm is a, a very slow organic growth. You, you add on consultant by consultant and it's, it's really just... Uh, extremely people based business because it's a services business. Yeah. But you guys are growing with a VC partner, so yeah. tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So um, a lot to unpack there. I think that uh, so I think <laughs> maybe the maybe too reason... big of a question for no, a mini episode. it's a episode. <laughs> great question. It's a great question. No. So um, I I will scoot back significantly to like four years ago because what we were doing originally at F two was really a very common model of hey, I'm a person who knows stuff. I'm a person who knows people. I have a consulting background. I can leave corporate America and go do something cool in the consulting world and kind of own my own space. Entrepreneurial, I see very much resonant with what happens in breakaway advisors or people that start advisory businesses. And I grew up in the wealth management space. This is my it's my jam, right? So, um, and, and that was similar. The, the, the consulting business is feast and famine. You get a project, you get paid, and then you're either doing the work, which means you're not talking to new people about new work um, or you're out there selling and so that, it's just a lumpy cycle and so lumpy cycle lumpy cycle um and we started really thinking about could you change the cycle to smooth out the revenue so that you can um, create more of a, a retainer based consulting business and I you know we have we have phenomenal like I have so many great friends and contacts in this space like nothing would be possible without my friends and just supporters of the business but the input came in like you know yeah, we could actually see this thing like a lot of firms don't have CTOs. You were a former CTO. What if there was this outsourced CTO thing that you could provide as a service? And it was a certain number of hours, certain number of dollars. We kind of worked on it for about a year. But my God, that was like four years ago. We built we actually trademarked it called Octo. Yes. Outsourced CTO. Yeah. yeah. And that just changed everything. Cause then you knew you had a steady set of revenue coming in. Uh, you had a set of services that we could get better and better and better at doing refining how much value we got. So every dollar. That clients would spend year after year on our services, we got better and better and better. We would hire experts. And the experts would be, you know, nuanced and to be a performance reporting experts and digital experts and data experts and CRM experts now. And so um we can drive more value out of the same cost for clients. And that just took off like crazy. And so that that coincided with the ramp up of the RIA growth focus on technology. It's sort of like a solution came to market right about the time when Fast-growing, scale-ready. Hey, we got to invest in technology to keep this aggregated house afloat, house afloat, boat afloat, whatever. Um, and uh, it, it coincided with the market, I think, really, really well. Um, and so that was that. That led to the revenue stream. The the lead-in into PE investment for us was um, uh, not revenue. Like we were fine. We we're growing. We were doubling our, our. We were doubling as a business every year. We actually quadrupled in twenty twenty-one. Um, uh, so it wasn't about that. It was more about um me as a, if you look at my background, like a bank-based executive CTO, I knew technology to get projects done. I knew strategy, how to kind of design things, the technology and people and client experiences all work together. Um, well, I didn't know how to scale a business. You know, even with Seb as our chairman, uh, Seb for f- like the the biggest impact F to writ large. Um uh but that that, scaling a business I knew I needed someone else to come in and help me with that and so um having we looked at opportunities we said you know someone that can come in and invest in us really take a, a, a ownership stake in F2 keep me as the CEO and then just wrap us in all the support and services and things that we need including additional capital to invest in growth before we have it or acquire other firms which is what ultimately resulted in 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 June was we got acquired and then acquired Oakbrook uh Craig Cook was the founder co-founder of Oakbrook I've known Craig for 17 years or something, um, and he just got to a stage in his life where he was looking to do something else, and it was a natural fit. Like, Craig could go off and retire, monetize his, his business, and his team and my team now have come together to create, like, a, a phenomenal strategy delivery, like, powerhouse in the space. Yeah.
0: Now, with that Oakbrook uh, uh, acquisition, did that scale your existing services? Did it add new capabilities for you guys? How did that reframe... F2.
1: Oh my gosh. So uh I I I would love to sit here on the podcast and say like I knew it all before the acquisition, but I have been way more impressed with the quality of the people that that Craig had put under Oakbrook than when but when I actually bought. So um it we added uh first off we added a, the the depth of the systems implementation and like software configuration implementation services that Oakbrook had with some of the largest wealth managers in the country. So now I got them as clients. But I also got this Depth where they can put in place like 20, 30, 40 people to go do multiple year transformation, technology transformation projects, which now puts me on scale with like much bigger consulting firms. Um, they also had depth in workflow uh, documentation, like how to design the optimal client experience that we didn't really have as much. Um, they have a software that's built in Decisions and Appian, it's a workflow automation software. So now we have two wow. in has software. Like that's what we have now. We're, we're going to figure out how to add on and do more with that. You know, I, I shudder to say, but. We're kind of going to, you know, be like a tech company. I'm sorry, we're to be a tech company, but we're like a tech company in a lot of ways. Um, family office services. So we 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 work with multifamily offices, a ton of them. But we have actually, um, we now have uh, this single family office approach to like combine not just the investments in the outside of the, both sides of the balance sheet, the entire family office servicing capabilities. We have that in-house as well now. So it really rounded us out significantly. Um, And uh, it sets us up for a lot of cool things in the future.
0: So one of the other, one of the cool things I know you guys are doing now, not in the future, but you've got this um, executive in residence program, I think, right? So, so I met um, one of your executives in residence, uh, Jackie Stanton. We talked at Future Proof this year. I interviewed her. But I, I would love to understand from you, how did this idea come about? What is the executive in residence program? And, and ultimately, how does that benefit the firms that you guys work with? I mean because that's really what it's about it's like you guys added this on because you saw an opportunity to help these people but also that's going to transform
1: yeah your clients the good guiding ethos as anybody that starts a business like you need to have some guiding foundational like beliefs and like philosophies and and one of ours is just where there's untapped value to do more for the industry especially in technology where people aren't as good at technology as a small number of people we try to hire as many of those people as possible um but uh Let's just make sure that we can get as much of that value out into the world as possible and help people connect with good decisions and good outcomes. So um, that was the guiding ethos for uh, the executive residence program. Two things kind of came together at the same time. Um, one, we were, this is, this is going back to no, nah, 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 like maybe June, July of 2022, so over a year ago. Um, and we had a growing number of larger, more complex clients. We're traditionally working with the mid midsize RIAs, like the Billion, two billion to like fifty billion—that was always our sweet spot. But we were getting calls in from much, much larger firms that needed kind of some of the same like executive, um, strategic executive acumen that 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 I had worked with other people in Wells and First Republic and places like that. Um, and at the same time that we were needing more of that, some of our former clients and just former contacts in the industry were retiring, or they were going through like a merger. And the, and their role was limited as part of the merger. And so um, like, even when like, I was a little kid, I always had that like, I see three variables and I can see the connection of those things, the pattern, where no one else can see the pattern. And I was like, well, crap, we got an aging populace that people are going to start retiring in their 60s, maybe early 70s. But that doesn't mean the same thing it did 30 years ago. They still got 20, 30, 40 years of like career left. They have so much more to give. They have so much stored up knowledge and an and understanding of like what's going on in the world. Um, and, and there needs to be a mechanism, like this thing should exist. And as a founder, as like a founder, as co-founder, like I have a company to make that thing exist. Now let's, let's find a way to bring folks that are retiring from corporate roles where they have all this built up experience and people that are, uh, transitioning through their career. Like they're leaving one firm to another firm or firm got acquired, they're instead of like spinning their wheels, looking for a new job or garden leave, um, in some cases garden leave for like 18 months of garden leave. Come park your services here. Work for us, and then help all of our clients and help the industry with research and acumen. Like go publish and take your knowledge and experience. And, like give it to the world um, in a way that adds tremendous value and also is fun for a while. That was the genesis for executive residence. Um, we started with Dave Malone. who was the was our first executive residence. He was the former head of business process and innovation for RBC in Canada. He was a former client of mine, and I you know I called him. I said, you know Dave, we're, we're doing a project in London. He was like his son was going to school in London. I'm like, hey. You do this project in London, i you're in London all the time. Like, and it's with a vendor that you also work with at RBC. Are you like retired or like re- like retired or bunny ears quotes? Yeah, podcast? we got a little t- the the old bunny ears quotes. Quote
0: retired. Yeah. Quote,
1: retired. <laughs> he's like, no, no, I'm just quote retired. I'm like, cool. You want to go to London and work with one of our clients? Like, uh, yeah, let's go. So that was the genesis of it. The, the, the scoop that I'll put on this podcast is that the executive in residence you met, Jackie Stanton, has actually become an employee. Oh, that's big news. That's the scoop it's right now. It's huge for press you guys. Yeah. So
0: like yeah. I'll
1: hold it back. But L- it was put an positive. embargo here. No, it's not embargo. <laughs> so Liz, Liz, my wife slash co founder would maybe kill me if this but it's not embargo. But the uh, no, it, it was positive enough experience, and she was into hmm. F two enough of like what we were actually yeah. doing that when it came time to how we were expanding, she's like. If there's an opportunity for me to be part of this actual mm-hmm. story. I'd love to join and be actually fully part of this. Yeah. I mean, who says no to that's Jackie Stanton first off? She's, she's for a sure force. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so yeah. We're, we're happy to have
0: her. That's fantastic. How, how many people do you have in that program right now? You know, I, 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 I should I, have known you. I, I saw your number. website and I was amazed by the number of people on it, your team.
1: It changes. Yeah. yeah. Because what people come in and out. So um, uh, one of our early first uh, executive directors was Coldy Corta, head of digital Alliance Bernstein. She was just for a couple months. And then like, I think MetLife like snapped her up like right away. This is great. But Cole is a great long-term friend. So all of the executive residents are just kind of friends of F2, former clients that are kind of in our network. And it becomes this platform for many people ultimately to plug into. And they get access to our research. They get speaking opportunities. Like we take our own marketing machine our marketing engine and turn it around, give them a microphone and say, tell us what you know. When 30 years of your career, like what should the world know about fill in the blank stuff. And that's just, hopefully people find benefit in it because we're trying to be relevant, and valuable and spread the knowledge. Yeah. All right. There, I'm going to
0: hard pivot away from F2 here. (laughs) We're going to talk industry-wide. So go macro all of a sudden. Any tech trends that have you really
1: excited right now? Yeah. Um. So the most nerdy thing I could possibly say, I'm going to say right now, which is like data, it's kind of sexy. Data, like, data is was sexy. the thing that I couldn't like. I could put in front of a client even three years ago. Here's twenty million dollars for the technology projects you need to do over the next five years to be scalable to acquire what you need to do, right? Um, and they're like, yes on performance, yes on CRM, yes on digital. Yeah, this data thing, I just don't get it. Like this seems like a patter. Like you're just kind of padding the the F two, you know, account here, uh, and they would reject on data. I don't get that anymore. I mean, it is it is foundational to the the innovation. It's foundational to addressing the uh, accelerated pace of client expectations and innovation if you don't have your data organized like you're kind of you don't have a hope of scaling long term next 10 years you don't have hope so now it's you know data is kind of sexy and cool and and we love it because it's a huge chunk of what we do I'd have is build data architectures for clients um but it's a trend that we're happy is here we we you hear about ai all the time like you're gonna get ai what's going on with the AI? and like guys here like catch lights here at, at fearless Um, it works. I mean, our clients are using it. The stuff works. I actually invested in Bento Engine last year like because I can see tangible value. But beyond a few of those like tangible value tools, writ large as a concept, AI doesn't have a lot of inherent value in the short term. The biggest value we see from AI is that people that are going to do AI projects are going to get their data right. And then AI may work or not, but they're going to have a foundation of data that's going to help them long term.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then... AI can come into play by having that large data set to be trained on and be useful to a specific company and not just, yep. hey, go to chat GPT and use the Internet of data. But it's like, use your data.
1: Yes. And there's, there are mechanisms that we use to get secure data out to the web. Um, but but it, there's ways to make it secure. Um, but the, the use cases and integrating it into the existing tech stack, that's so much lift to make that happen. We don't see actually none of our clients are doing major AI projects. Yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting, fascinating.
1: I like that you have uh, that perspective.
0: Um, it's a little bit, I wouldn't say contrarian, but it's certainly different than a lot, a lot of the AI takes that I keep hearing. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, have a, we have a, we have like a, a. This must be super annoying to some fintech firms because. Um, we have a theory that if I don't see it working in the wild, it doesn't exist, right? Like, you know, you could talk <laughs> yeah. about your like purple panda all you want, but if, like, until I see a purple panda, like walking around eating like bamboo, like, well, ah, purple panda exists. And then I'll talk about it. So we talk about vendors. We talk about software firms. We only talk about those that we've seen work well in, in, in the wild. And it's good practice, especially, I mean, as a consultant, your advice
0: is staked on your real world experiences and um, being able to give the advice that you know is going to work. So you have to be there. Okay. So we're at fearless. I'm going to ask you the theme question of the week. What is the number one thing financial advisors should be doing with their clients to keep them fearless?
1: Oh man. Keep them fearless. Okay. So my shtick on keeping them fearless is, um, Markets can go crazy. Markets always go crazy. This is the whole reason why you know the, the advisor persona really kind of originates, uh, is to help clients through tough market times. Um, when all we do is talk to clients about the returns in their portfolio, and within the first 15 minutes of a client conversation, we're talking about the fun strategies, stocks in a client portfolio, you lost the fearless game from the beginning, right? And so... When the conversation with clients and I've seen people move clients from a stock and mind alpha performance reporting kind of centered experience move them to a more planful holistic concept um, so it, it works. So I've seen people do this. Um, it changes the entire conversation if my if the alpha on my portfolio, the outperformance in my portfolio is the goal for Doug and Liz to retire at age 65 and leave enough money uh, at age you know 85 to 100. For our kids' grandkids to go to college, like that's my alpha that's my s p 500 did I outperform that or not uh if the if the if the s p's down, what is my how is the market doing to my goal like honestly that's my blood pressure and if I'm so correlated to the market that actually impacts me, I can stop watching MSNBC because I don't care. like it doesn't matter what's going on in the markets I'm fine you know that level of, of being fearless as an investor comes from an advisor setting a goal and setting a conversation and setting the context of the markets and returns and the, the, the prices of stocks um, on what it means to me personally. And that that is everything to me, right? And and there's still, there's a growing number of planful advisors in this industry, um, but to this date, it's still a you know, the number of, of Americans that have wealthy people that have financial goals and have like wellness plans like that. Like I, I don't, Kitsis will say it was like 29 or 30% or something like that. It's, it's very low. It's very low still. Okay,
0: so there it is, Doug Fritz. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate ya. Thanks for listening to today's episode of On the Circuit. We recorded this live at the 2023 Nitrogen Fearless Investing Summit. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit like, leave a comment on this episode to make sure that you stay up to date with everything happening on the circuit. And we'll see you next time.